Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all of the myriad aspects in the average company that it takes to coordinate and align to grow, build, sell, and price to customer perceived value. Today, I am thrilled to have Gary White, CEO and founder of White Springs, uh, a company, a software company based in the UK that has worked with every major methodology shop in the world uh, to help them automate those methodologies and integrate them into uh, the world's great CRMs. Gary, welcome. Mark, it's a pleasure to be um, included in this podcast and I look forward to our discussion today. Well, um, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. You know, you were, when I was at Miller Hyman, uh, you were always one of the favorites uh, to come in and talk um, because you had some, some really great insights and uh, you're a very entertaining speaker. So if anybody wants uh, a great speaker, I can recommend Gary, although maybe you have to uh, hire his firm in order to get his speaking prowess. Um, so Gary, tell us a little bit about your journey, uh, personal journey and, and White Springs. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, yeah, we've been, you know, we're a technology business, very US centric, although we're a UK company, but we've been involved for, wow, since 2002 with the, with the sales training world, the sales performance improvement world. And, um, you know, I think it's this, the timing of this, this conversation with you, Mark, is very interesting because I think that industry is under some stress right now. Um, I think it was under stress you know, even a couple of years ago, but with COVID-19 coming in and, um, you know, everybody in lockdown and essentially face-to-face -face training disappearing overnight. Um, I think that industry is under some pressure now to, to meet the demands of the, of the customers. And uh, it's, it's a very traditional industry. Like I say, we've been in it or associated with it for 18 years, but the industry been around for how long? 40, yeah. 50 years, you know, it goes back to um, you know, the Xerox days, I think probably, where it all, all yeah. stemmed from. But, um, you know, I, I've got a very kind of personal um, perspective on the industry. And, um, and that, that's come from, you know, spending an awful lot of time with um, the founders of sales training businesses with the you know the independent sales consultant network that deliver um, on behalf of these industries uh, these these uh, clients and um, my my personal view here is I think that the the value of the IP is is um, is too high I think the IP itself is more like a commodity now and I think the value that the industry serves as the people themselves. It's the independent sales consultants. Um, it's the knowledge, their expertise and their character that provides the value to the end clients. And it's less about IP because let's face it, um, if you look at the kind of core IP across 
all the major players, be that you know deal pursuit or account management, that core IP is very, very similar across the whole lot. And like I say, it goes way back to the you know the Xerox days. But you know each each you know each vendor has its own um, you know language, its own take on certain things. But the core IP, I think, is consistent across them all. And I think the end clients understand that now. And where the value comes, and which is ultimately a successful implementation of that IP, is down to the people. It's down to that independent sales consultant network. And obviously, I'm biased here, but it's also down to the use of technology. And we've seen technology um, growing over, you know, the last, you know, certainly the last five years. But over the last six months with COVID, we've now seen the industry thrown into this virtual training and technology associated with it. And it's, it's, it's been a challenge for some. You know, we've seen some companies who have, have sat back and they've redesigned how they deliver their IP, that knowledge transfer piece. And, and they've delivered it in a very um, innovative way. Whereas some vendors um, in the industry are trying to do it in the same way they've done it for the last 30 years. And it just doesn't work. So I think it's a very interesting time um, for the industry. And I think um, you know, you're seeing acquisitions uh, left, right, and center and mergers. And I think there'll be a bit of a shakeout and what will come out of it is some, you know, hopefully some fresh approaches to how they deliver IP and how they quantify what is deemed to be a successful implementation. Yeah, Gary, I mean, I'm, I'm frantically writing notes because there's so many things I want to agree with and unpack separately. One was that independent consultant network and how important the individual consultant is because as I worked as a consultant for close to nine years, and you've worked with way more consultants um, than just me, the idea of taking that generic intellectual property, the IP, and customizing it to that business and building that business's process and taking it from the generic to the to customizing it or you know giving it an individual flavor for the client, that is not done by the IP company. Uh, that has to be done by a really insightful knowledge worker. And that person isn't somebody who was a trained actor who's a great trainer. That is a consultant who understands sales. Yeah. And, and I, the, the point I would make is that it doesn't matter what IP that that consultant had to customize, that they could customize any core IP. They just happen to be aligned with a particular vendor at any point in time. But because the core IP is all very similar, that 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 independent sales consultant could customize any core IP, and that to me just emphasizes that the value is in that individual and not in the IP anymore. Yeah, you know, thanks for saying that because that's that's kind of where I live. Uh, I my whole reason for existence, my whole value proposition is that every IP practitioner, every IP allows for, but doesn't emphasize value focus on the part yeah. of a seller. And yeah. so I, I have gone into different clients, each with different methodologies and saying, let's take that value stuff that's kind of de-emphasized in your, in your methodology and let's 
develop some rigor and discipline around that. I don't want to change your methodology. I don't want to forklift your old methodology out and try to get you to change to a new one. I just want to get your existing one right. And um, I have found over and over, as you said, that my, my value focus is easy to splice into just about anything. And the trick is working with it, then taking it to the, the thing I wanted to transition to, which is your specialty saying, now that we've trained everybody on this, now we want to make sure that uh, they can coach to it, that they can manage to it, that it appears in the dashboard, that people management and you know the CRM is capturing all those value insights that you got the sales people to, to try to gather. And um, so, We've, you and I have had some, some discussions with some potential clients about how we can take their methodology and kind of tweak it a little bit with value focus. And so tell us more about automation and how important that is to go from the training experience to the practice of it, the doing of it every day. Yeah. And, and I think those things are merging, just taking that point. So what we're seeing in a, in, from a technical perspective, which has been driven by end clients, is that the, the training is no longer an event, okay? Um, it's no longer, you know, stuck in a hotel in deepest Alabama for four days. It's, it's now online and it tends to be split into um, multiple um, breakouts. So it might be, you know, five, two-hour sessions, whatever the case may be. So the training is becoming more continuous and because it's delivered digitally and that can be recorded, you can then replay that, that, that event. Okay. So what we're seeing is that, you know, we've been in a world providing tools and tools are really kind of the visualization of the, of the IP in a manner you can apply it to, you know, real life situations. But what we're seeing is that the, the learning nuggets are now being incorporated into those tools. So, so a user can refresh themselves on a sales concept at the point that they are using it, rather than what used to happen was they had to go and pick and blow the dust off the workbook that was sitting on their shelf. So the, the convergence of the, of the knowledge and the sales tools is something that we are now seeing on the platform that we, we have developed. Um, and it's for the benefit ultimately of the, of the consumer of all this, because you're now having the learning and the doing together in one place, yeah. as opposed to the knowledge transfer being in one place and then doing somewhere else. So your tools now that you're developing alongside uh, the IP companies, you're actually allowing them to put the little micro learning modules right into the, the tools or links for those right into the tools so that they can consume it uh, just in time or at, at the point of doubt. Yeah, so it's again. I'm I'm still a huge believer that there, that um, the, that you can't just do this digitally. You can't just kind of throw, you know, a learning module over the fence at somebody and get them to go and learn it. They will learn it, but they don't get the right experience. I think you have to have that sales consultant in the midst of this. But what's great now is you know because Notebook has been delivered by Microsoft Teams or by Zooms, and you can record. That means that that little nugget that's been transferred by an individual can be recorded and then replayed by the consumer all the time. But you have to have everything in one place. 
And although, um, you know, CRM has got a bit of a bad rap, I think the reality is that's where it needs to be. Uh, I think CRM has got a bad rap because ultimately it's more um, about capturing data. It doesn't really add much value to the salesperson. But once you add in the methodology, the idea being that that methodology is adding value to the salespeople because helping them, you know, be more successful, that then ultimately the CRM adds more value as well. So it's, there's definitely a convergence of learning and doing into one place. Yeah. Um, that, that whole, that whole guides me to a, a colleague of mine has, um, she's been a, a VP of sales for one of the big CRM companies. She's actually my co-host on this, on the podcast. And so um, maybe you'll get to meet Christine sometime. And she, she uses the language that CRM is meant to guide the salesperson on a glide path towards a successfully closed sale. And the, the fence posts and the metrics of that glide path in most CRMs are activity-based, not value-based. So yep. we guide calls and activities and, and when and how you delivered the proposal, not what did you discover about the customer outcomes? What did you discover about value? How do you get, what insight did you provide and what insights did you obtain from, the, from that customer? So the glide path is an activity-based glide path, not a value-based glide path. And a, a famous statistician from the last century said, uh, far better, approximate answer to the right question than the precise answer to the wrong question because we can always get precision on the wrong question and so many times it's easier to measure activities i mean you can automatically measure how many times the phone was dialed without even have to have the salesperson do any tick boxes because the phone system does that so it's super super easy to measure how many times they dialed and it's even moderately easy to have an ai engine just count the number of seconds the customer was talking versus the number of times the salesperson was talking, which is a little bit better, but we don't easily measure whether it was a high quality value conversation. And that's hard to measure, but that's what you really want to measure. And that's the kind of polarity, uh, easy to measure versus should have been measured. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, having you know read through your book mark it's you know you've picked a really strong topic to pull out and focus in on and um i i think that you know that's the way the industry um in terms of the independent sales network is moving i wouldn't say the 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 kind of corporate ip owners are moving that way they're still very much married to the kind of core ip but the specialization that, that you add to that in terms of value, I think is, is so important because let's face it, most corporates now have been through some sort of core IP training over their careers. In fact, you know, the word methodology is, is almost like a dirty word in certain areas. Uh, so you've, you've got to assume that, that most salespeople who have been in the profession for a little bit of time kind of understand the broad principles what you're doing with focusing on the value is the next level up where nobody is yet i don't believe you know so um it's interesting to see you know how that then dovetails into the crm systems because you're right the, the crm is just the 
the kind of transactional activity based stuff, which doesn't add any value to the salespeople. In fact, it almost has the complete opposite. It, you know, it's treated like a tracking system. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, it's a compliance. It's it's yeah. a compliance tool, not to make the salesperson more successful at selling. It's to help the salesperson help the manager be better at managing. It's for the manager's convenience, not the salesperson's. Exactly. Yeah, and I think a lot of salespeople is a bit kind of broad brush, but I think by definition, salespeople we're very entrepreneurial by nature. Therefore, we don't necessarily like to be you know you know, accountable for everything like that. So the, so the work you're doing on the value stuff, I think is just fantastic because it, that, that's where the salespeople will, you know, be successful or not be successful by focusing on what they're delivering to the client. Yeah. And having that ability to, to reinforce that inside the day-to-day -day systems that they use in CRM, I yeah. think is really important. It just adds to stickiness. Yeah. So here's here is my idea. I'd love to I'd love to have you disagree and tell me I'm I'm completely off base here or agree completely at your at your discretion uh, because I I would love to hear it from somebody with your perspective. I believe that my value focus is so important that it's the core of what moves a customer decision. If we started a sales force just on understanding value. And then as they got really good at that, if we wanted to put the, the wrapper of a detailed methodology around that, that's probably the right course because you're getting the high lift and the right value discipline with your salespeople. But a methodology to be able to measure that and then to wrap around that to make sure you're getting all the right people involved in the decision and you're getting them all the, you know, you're tracking all of the details of a complex sale. That is a key to success, but not as big a key as value. So my personal opinion is let's just start with a value and, and put that, get that automated in your CRM. And when you want to get a methodology and, and we want to add that detail and that complexity, as much as we want to add, let's go, let's do that as, as needed rather than start with the complex methodology and let's figure out um, why it's not working after the fact. Your thoughts. I will agree with you. Um, and here's why I agree with you. I think by putting value at the core and it goes beyond the sales organization. So as a business, every employee is thinking about the value they provide to the client. That, that's a very different mindset for an organization. But if, it's at that, if it's that's at the core and you then build the other processes around that, that to me is incredibly powerful. But that's not the way the industry has worked. So I think it's a, I wouldn't say it's a radical view. I think it's a very logical view, but it is different to the way the industry works right now. Yeah, I'll say it's radical in that it's different. It's, and it's logical, but um, it does shake up conventional thinking a bit. It does. And I, and I think, you know, the, the, it, the industry to me feels very stale. It feels like, it's the, the same businesses doing the same thing and they've done it for, well, let's face it, the, I, the core IP in the industry hasn't changed for 40 years. Yeah. The method of delivery hasn't really changed much in 40 years. And, yeah. and 
and, and that to me is as much about the business model in the industry as well. The business model is all about, you know, a corporate who owns IP and then it's distributed via an independent sales network. So it's very hard to change the business model in the industry. And, you know, some, some well-known sales training providers have tried to do that, but it's very hard to move it all, for example, to be digital because you suddenly remove the, you know, the livelihoods of some independent sales consultants. So I, I think it, it's the, the, the world has, has now forced a look upon all this because of COVID. And I think what you'll see is, is specialists like yourself who are, who are taking a different view on how, how the clients ultimately need to consume um, IP, that it'll, it, I think the time is right to come out with something a bit radical. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. So, I mean, you've, you have um, a unique perspective on that sales methodology, sales performance industry. And I, I'd love to have you share what you think the industry, I mean, you've, you've shared some thoughts about what you think the industry is doing and where it's going and uh, what's working, what's not. Um, can you share any more thoughts on that? Um, you know, so we've, we have worked with most of the well-known sales performance improvement businesses over the years and and yes you know i i you definitely get insight into the industry um and i think you know the things i've learned from that has been that it that it is very similar across every business uh, and as, as i previously mentioned the, the the core ip to me is 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 very similar across every every business within that okay what what i think you've seen happening is that some of the bigger players and it's an interesting industry, actually. It's about, um, you know, there's various numbers, but it's about a $4 billion industry. But you look at, at the biggest player in there, which is probably Corn Ferry now, with their yeah. acquisition of Norm Hyman. They, their revenues as a percentage of, of the $4 billion is very, very small. So it's a highly fragmented industry. There's no one big player dominating it. Um, but there is an awful lot of people in the industry, an awful lot of people in the independent sales consultant network who are adding huge value into the industry. And that, that's, if you look at where our focus has been over the years, it's been very much in the kind of corporate high end of it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there's always an investment in technology. But where we, where we perceive the growth to be is probably at the other end now, where you've got the independent channel with some great IP beyond the core stuff. And I think you've got consumers now who have been through all this before and they're looking for something that's fresh, something that is different. Um, and, you know, we, we see a huge opportunity um, in the industry right now, albeit we've been in it for 18 years, we think the biggest spike in our business is just about to come. Um, and that's just through the fact the world has changed, the consumers are looking to consume um, knowledge in a different way, and they're looking to they're looking for fresh content. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Probably enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> so but, um, you know, I might have you know, 
set of more radical thoughts. You know, I, yeah. um, that, you know, there's a couple of things, points I'll just emphasize again. I, I am a firm believer that the value in this industry and its huge value is in the people that deliver the IP. It's the personalities, it's the experience, it's the knowledge. So I don't think it'll ever get to the point where it is the knowledge is transferred digitally and there's not a human interaction. I just think the human interaction is going to be at the end of a Skype call and the occasional face-to-face. -face. I think that's yeah. how it's going to happen. Yeah. So I think the realization for me um, has been that the value is not the IP, the value is the people. No, I, uh, I appreciate that. And I, I hadn't thought of it that way. So I'm, I am persuaded. Um, one other question I had in, I, you know, I came from the, one of the methodology shops and all of the methodology shops say that, that you know, there's a failure rate of uh, when, when a company, one of these big companies buys a methodology and then automates it, there's a failure rate. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on, you know, what that failure rate might be. But the methodology companies all say that it's all about that human interaction, the coaching after the training, because training is about knowledge transfer, not behavior change. And so we need to change the selling behavior. So they think that, uh, you know, that there's a coaching. And of course, these are companies that sell coaching services and coaching courses and how to be a great coach. So there's something a little self-serving about saying, well, the weak link is coaching. If you don't buy coaching, you're bound to fail. So buy coaching from us too. Um, so I'd love to get your feelings on what kind of failure rate you might, you think there might really be out there. And is it really just coaching or is there something else that um, companies that sell coaching are not telling you? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so the, the input I would have to that is that the, the, the technology platform that we provide within the industry is, is purchased by the end clients on a subscription basis. Okay, so obviously we've got insight into annual renewals by client, by sales training provider. And there are, there are some businesses that don't renew, but I would say in the main, the technology tends to renew more so than the IP does, if that makes sense. So yep. you know, you know, the industry, again, is very much built about a huge spike at the start of a of a of a program where all yep. the knowledge transfer is done and that means you know big revenue for the sales training companies but that then tails away quite quickly and what's left essentially is is technology okay where we see the renewal rates being low is where you've got changes in personnel and i think that's always been the issue sure where particularly the the IP provider selling at an executive level and that executive then moves on and a new one comes in and they don't have a relationship that executive probably has a relationship with some other training provider and has had good experience in the past with them so I would say the biggest thing that causes um, a training initiative to fail is, is people moving on, is the, the leadership team moving on and the new person bringing in something new, okay? The other point I would make is um, one of the 
uh, founders of a sales training company said this to me that the you know the best sales methodology is the one that's being used okay so it's all about use because i'm you know i'm a huge i'm a huge believer in methodology and i really do think it works the issue is getting getting sustainability of it and keeping it in there okay um, yeah and, and and everybody says coaching is that is that silver bullet i think coaching is definitely part of it okay but ultimately you, the the consumers need to get the value and that value can be demonstrated in a number of different ways coaching is one but it can be demonstrated through technology can be demonstrated through just a you know constant contact with the provider yeah because my experience you know i came into this a long time ago having having been through a number of different sales training courses over the years and you know it was an event and then the, the provider kind of disappeared you never heard from them again yeah. and i think that still happens to a certain extent nowadays but it shouldn't happen if you think about the way the world is it's so easy to keep in contact with people but it doesn't seem to happen so um i'll go back to that statement i think you know the successful initiatives are those ones where the ip is used and yeah and and it's it's you have put the effort has to go in but the, cl the client also has a responsibility as well sure you know, the I, client has to want it to work as well yeah. no i i completely buy it i i am reminded i actually had this clever title for an article or a video and i, I didn't quite know what article to put with a great title and uh, it was a takeoff on Drucker's uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast and I wanted to say a value-oriented culture eats methodology for breakfast mm. um, because that culture is what makes it work uh, making sure that it's not just the coaching but it's the genuine belief on everybody involved in the company and the sales organization that we are here to understand the customers value their outcomes and if you have that as your underlying operating assumption um there's nothing methodology can't do um yeah. and if you don't have it there is very little methodology can do well there's there there's quite a bit methodology can do but it really becomes an up you know you're you're swimming into uh you're swimming upstream yeah but I, I know I really do love this idea of value being at the core because, you know, and I, you know, I haven't, haven't been, I've not quite finished your book, but I'm three quarters of the way through it. But it, it makes me rethink how, as a business, we function and where you've, where you've got the value at the center and you can articulate your value clearly to your clients and everybody within the business knows what you're about. It, it just changes the focus, I think, on the on the organization totally. Yeah, and, and well, you know, I think it's really strong. Well, thank you. Um, maybe we'll uh, be able to get get together for a pint next time uh, I'm up in Banbury. Yeah. Um, my wife went to school in Oxford, and so just down the street from you. And yeah, yeah. Um, I, I should be able to get back up there once the world opens up again. And I would love to be able to get together with you. Uh, yeah. Next time you're in the Southwest, do let do look me up. Yeah, I will do. Any final thoughts? We went a little longer uh, than I. No, I don't think so. I just, you know, I really appreciate the the opportunity to have the discussion with you. I think it's um, it's always interesting talking to you. Get some insights the way you think around the value. It's fascinating. So 
So thank you very much for inviting me to participate. Gary, thank you so much. I appreciate your sharing your perspective and your wisdom. Um, couldn't I, I couldn't do this without great guests like you. So thank you so much. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. And thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Network and the, the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that your success is all in your customer's head. Thanks. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.